welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. This is a Monday morning edition with your host today is Alex Gore. I'm here with Kermit Baker, who is the chief economist for the American Institute of Architects in Washington, D.C. In this capacity, he analyzes business and construction trends for the U.S. economy and examines their impact on AIA members and the architecture profession. He has received a master's degree in urban planning from Harvard and owns a Ph.D. from MIT in the same field. Kermit, welcome inside the firm. Alex, great to be with you today. Um, my first question is, how do you go from planning to being an economist? What is the relevant through line there that brings you to where you are today? Well, actually, there is a, there is a straight line there. When uh, In the doctoral program I was in in urban planning, um, the requirements were that you picked a discipline could be political science, could be psychology, could be engineering. I picked economics. And then you pick a subject area. Um, and I picked housing as a subject area. So the intersection of housing and economics was really how I launched uh, uh, launched my career. Um, and then where did you start out after college? So I worked um, for... Uh, between uh, my my master's and doctoral degree, I worked in a research firm. Um, that that sort of generated my interest in research. And then after I finished my uh, doctoral program, I worked for almost ten years in a trade publishing company. Um, they they published many publications in dealing with the construction industry, and so that really got me engaged in. I would say applied economics as it relates to what's going on in construction. Awesome. And then how did you get over to the AIA to where one yep. of your roles is now? Exactly. So la last connection here is the uh, CEO of the publishing company I worked at um, left the company and ended up a year later as the CEO of the American Institute of Architects. And, <laughs> And uh, it had this was this was back in the early to mid 1990s. Um, the profession had just gone through a very devastating uh, recession at that at that point. And so there was at, at the annual convention, the AIA annual convention, as it was called back then, a board resolution that they hire an economist to help architecture firms navigate the ups and downs of, of, of business. You know, the, the, the AIA has. Its roots are much more in, um, you know, you know, re really a professional association than than a quote trade association. Um, but I think having gone through that, um, as I said, very devastating business cycle, decided they really needed to do a little bit more in that area too. And at that point, launched uh, um, uh, an economics program at the uh, AIA to help. Uh, practitioners uh, figure out how to navigate um, business conditions. Um, that's a great place to start. I've professionally only went through the 2008 recession because I was in the profession. Um, I understood the 2001 recession because the amount of gifts for uh, graduating went down significantly from my older brother. <laughs> 
I was aware of the 1991 era recession only because years later, my dad worked at IBM and he told me, you know, layoffs and things that had to happen there that he was yep. a part of. But yep. could you kind of give us that broad perspective going back to years, the differences you think between the recessions and kind of the recession that we should have had around COVID time? Mm -hmm. And we'll get into more of the current stuff now, but how that's those other ones affected uh the profession yeah no yeah great 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 starting point alex so let me start with the early 90s recession which was kind of characterized it, it's often called the snl recession it it, it it really impacted the real estate industry um problems for lending institutions uh, made it very difficult for um, you know, getting money in the real estate and construction sector. And that's why uh, architecture firms had such a difficult time during that recession. A, a statistic I've heard that I've never been able to replicate, and I'm not sure if it's true, is that 25% of architecture firms went out of business during that early, uh, early 90s recession. Now, the one you talked about after that, the 2001, the dot-com recession, was really more of a technology based recession that that was you know the technology world just sort of you know got beat, got ahead of itself and yeah. a lot of money was pumped in and uh, a lot of that didn't pan out so uh, that actually was not a terribly bad uh, time for architecture firms because it didn't affect construction or real estate um but then then the the, the one that you first remembered the great recession or global financial crisis uh, devastated the economy, obviously, but it was really centered you know, fundamentally around construction and real estate because what really generated that was overly inflated house prices and then uh, a, a housing price crash that brought down the rest of the economy. Um, and so that that was devastating for for architecture firms. Are you? Uh, is there credence to the idea of like a seven-year cycle or something like that in relationships to overspending, corrections, and recessions? There, there is, you know, there is a regular pattern, which is why they call them cycles. But, um, you know, I, I think the current situation would belie this seven-year um, without getting too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, well, let's 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 start. We talked about the global financial crisis, the Great Recession, two thousand eight and two thousand nine. Add seven years on, and that would suggest that fifteen or sixteen would be another recession. Turns out, it wasn't the case. It wasn't the case because the Great Recession lasted for architecture firms effectively lasted five years. Yep. Um, it, it went on for a long time, and it was still in recovery mode for the rest of you know, last decade. So all the way up through the pandemic basically was a period of recovery. But the pandemic in 2020 was, you know, over 10 years beyond when the um, global financial crisis uh, affected us. And, and it took the wind out of the sails uh, of the economy so significantly that it didn't get overheated during that decade. It didn't, didn't need to correct uh, for any reason. And, and I think that's really the, the fundamental point is that, you know, recessions are a way for correcting imbalances in the economy. Certain sectors just get ahead of themselves and, and need to slow down. Um, and is that seven years? Is that five years? Is that three years? Is it 10 years? Kind of depends on the economic circumstances. I think it's a little 
difficult to, to um, uh, you know, really simplify how, how frequently they occur. Yeah. So you went over and it makes sense how each one of those recessions had a slightly different effect and cause, but they happen, let's just not say on seven years, but every 10 years, something like that. There was a recession in the 70s. Um, my brain doesn't go back too much for, uh, behind that for recessions until the Great Depression. But would you say whenever these recessions occur, they're more typical to the 90s level and the, well, actually the 90s you said was actually pretty bad for architects. The yep. 2001 level um, recession or like a 2008 level, you know, trying to gauge, it seems like 2008 and, and 1991, would you say, were actually pretty, pretty big ones. Pretty, pretty big for architecture firms. I would say the early 90s one for the economy was kind of middle of the road. Certainly not nearly as severe as the Great Recession. The Great Recession, I think it's fair to say, was second only to the Great Depression in terms of its severity, in terms of how widespread the impact was and, and how devastating it was for the for the for the broader economy. Yeah. Uh, so but but they do affect different sectors. I think if you were in the technology sector, it sounds like your your father was um during the you know the dot-com recession. Um, I'm guessing they rate that pretty high too, you know, that that would be high on the list. It, it's just that it didn't really impact, um, as I said, real estate and construction that much. Yeah. Um, looking at the last couple of years, uh, especially with the, the COVID spending, the Fed spending um, and the Fed balance, balance sheet cresting and now coming down. Um, when you kind of look at, a forecast or thinking about the future in a macro sense, how much, especially in construction and in architecture and all that, how much play do you put on value of, oh, the interest rates versus, you know, the amount of money in the system when the feds either reducing their balance sheet or increasing their balance sheet? Um, because this is this, this last one, the where we're at now is in my mind is always tricky because it could have been a recession. I know during that COVID we had that very quick bump in there, but so much money was pumped in that that's the issue that we're dealing with with an inflation issue. Um, and we, we'll talk further. The I think one of the latest architecture billing index, some of the architects, their main concern is dealing with the higher wages increase and, and all that and keeping profitability. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, along the theme of every cycle is different, um, you know, let's move on to the pandemic. Uh, you said it was short. It was short, but it was severe, uh, very severe. Um, you know, you talked about the architecture billings index, which we've been collecting information on since the mid-1990s. Um, the scores we were seeing during the um, pandemic recession were well below any scores we've seen in the 25-year history of that. Um, mostly because, you know, it was a planned recession. You know, they kind of flew through the switch and said, there's not going to be any construction. There's not going to, you know, we're going to close down restaurants. We're going to close down hotels. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the economy reacting to you know, when I talked about imbalances or other issues, this was the government flipping the switch for good reasons, saying 
uh, you know, we're shutting down interaction here for a while. And, you know, you pointed to very, because they knew what was happening, didn't catch anyone off guard, they knew what the impact was going to be. Uh, they did plan around it with, uh, you know, uh, uh, a, a broader safety net uh, for individuals, uh, for, for businesses. And then when they switched the, you know, put the switch back on again, you know, it did bounce back very quickly. So architecture firms had devastating conditions for only a few months. And within 12 months uh, after, you know, following sort of March 2020, the onset of it, architecture firms were, uh, you know, happy days are here again. Uh, they were they were seeing good, solid business conditions out there, very strong rebound. And 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 for a you know a lot of sectors it, it was similar um uh for some it took a little bit longer but it but it did distort a lot of things going on you mentioned the government spending was overstimulated the economy you know i i think you could probably get a room of economists together and they they debate what what really did happen during that period of time because it was a very strong safety net as i mentioned but it also was, you know, very serious supply issues. You know, you know mm -hmm. we don't talk about it much, but supply chain issues can't get products from, from A to B because of issues related to the pandemic. We can't get labor because uh, people are either still, you know, afraid to go back to work or are uh, helping provide care to a family member, um, you know, just not wanting to, uh, not wanting to get back into the job market. So between the supply chain problems and the labor problems, um, a lot of industries, uh, a lot of professions, not only architecture, had just had trouble um, sort of getting back to normal. Yeah. And let's kind of look at that. I want to bring up, um, and I will try to share my screen here if I can. There it is. Okay, this is uh, November 2023 um, yep. AIA. Is that the most recent one? Yeah, uh, the oh. December one uh, just just came out earlier this week. Okay, um, we we can stick with this one because I just thought it was very very interested. It, do you write this or does someone else write this? Um, the uh, someone on the, on our staff writes it. I don't I don't write it. Gotcha. Um, inflation here's persists, but inference interest rates relief may be coming mm -hmm. um what what do you think about that the the data today came on with a a good gdp how much are these interest rates uh affecting the constructing construction industry you think i, I think they're affecting it uh, a lot with a lag i mean the construction industry was incredibly strong in 2023 even though interest rates were moving up uh, at, you know, kind of historically fast rates. And, and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, um, you know, how does the construction industry work? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and when do you see stronger times and when do you see weaker times? So, for example, even during the pandemic, some sites were closed down, but 2020 was a Pretty good, a pretty good year for construction. I, I, there probably was not another sector in the economy that was as healthy as construction in 2020. Um, 2021, another good year. 2022, um, a, a good year. 2023, sort of record-breaking year. 2024, 
um, and according to a, a consensus forecast that we manage at the AIA 2025, are going to be very weak years for construction. And, and it, it has a lot to do with the, the cycle of a construction project. Uh, I mean, you're familiar with this, Alex, but from, from the time a project is a gleam in the eye of a developer until it is occupied is going to be three, four, three, five three. years. Yep. Um, and so, um, you know, the first six to nine months easily will be, um, you know, design activity, no construction, and you kind of stop that process for bids and other sorts of things, and then, then you begin on construction. But once, once you're, you know, actively engaged in building a project, um, there's enough sort of resources sunk in that, that if interest rates go up or something else happens, number one, you probably already have your financing. But regardless, you don't, you know, you don't stop work on that project. Uh, you don't abandon that project. You continue along with it, even though conditions are not nearly as favorable as they might have been when you, you made the decision to go ahead. So it, it, it's what we economists call a sort of a lagging industry. It, you know, all of the decisions that generated that project are historical now, and, and you're just sort of riding the momentum to get it through. And, and, and so that's why you see construction activity kind of lagging the rest of the economy by a year, a year and a half, something like that, in terms of the, the strength in that sector versus the strength in other sectors of the economy. And, and just to add on top of that, if you're doing any project of significant size, and I would say that's over 50 units um, slash mixed use to a bigger development project, anything like that, um, from the time that they sign the architect, it's a year to three years to get through the process in some cities slash states. So more regulated yep. states and cities like Denver, Colorado, California, yep. New York. So that's a that's a huge, huge leg. Because yep. if they decide if someone in construction decided that they were gonna build a big significant project in Denver now, you're not putting shovels in for probably a year and a half. Yep. Um and, and that's probably the leg that you're talking about. So yep. Basically, is what you're saying is all those projects that are getting completed now over the next six months, there's not enough to replicate it, to replace, to fill the void, um, and it can't move fast enough to fill that leg that's going to exist. That, that's exactly why the construction industry watches our architecture billings index so closely, because it tells them you know, what is designed today is something that's going to be constructed in all likelihood, you know, as we just said, 12, 18, 24 months from now. And so um, it, 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 it's an eye into the future of where, where things are going. And, and architecture firms have been seeing fairly weak conditions for, for over a year now. And so that, that does portend some, some weakness in construction down the road, obviously. Do you want to explain this graph here? Because it, it kind of just dovetails into exactly what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. So th th that's a way. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit about our billings index. Um, and, um, you know, that that's the key indicator that we develop um, in, in this survey. But we also ask about other things that are going on at, at architecture firms. 
And, and the first thing, you know, kind of what leads the, 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 the process is a client, a developer, an owner, whatever, saying, hey, I'm thinking about putting up a new office building or whatever else. Um, want, wanted to get some ideas from you. Wanted to noodle around on that. Th that is, by our, 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 our terminology, a, a project inquiry. So it's some sense that uh, there may be work on a project somewhere down the road. Who knows how far down the road? Who knows whether it's going to materialize or not? Um, but it, it, it's, it's generally, you know, a temperature reading about the level of interest in, in future development. Um, the, 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 real, the, the real significant uh, um, uh, indicator, though, or the step is, is when they actually contract with, a, with an architecture firm to start working on a project. You know, um, th that can be a, literally a contract or it can be a handshake. It's, it's something we, we tell, tell architecture firms, some, some sort of arrangement that you can bill against um, is, is what we call a, a design contract. And that's the start of a of a, of a new project um, coming coming on that's going to result in billings down the road. Now, billings, uh, the main indicator we track there is really work that's being finished up. Right, by the time you're billing for it, you've you've, you've completed that work already. So, that that's sort of, in, in some sense, the final stage of what what's going on in this process. So, we use inquiries and new design contracts as a way of. Um, um, kind of pointing to where billings are going to go because all the research we have done on this looks at the relationship between architecture firm billings and construction activity. You know, um, what, you know what, what's what's the timing of that? What's the magnitude of that? And things like that. So, so, so th this graph is, is is trying to show those relationships between those uh, um, uh, those various phases. Yeah, and the design contracts. You are absolutely right that billings are normally, um, you know, at completion at the stages at the phases of work, but the design contracts also kind of mimic the billings as well because a lot of times you'll have a a deposit, yep. um, and that's a bill right there. Um, yep. And this basically from August curves way down, and then in November it starts to curve curve back up to normal. I would agree that our firm beginning this new year inquiries have been way up, way yep. up in, yep. in this new year. Um, going forth, I, I wonder not, I don't have a particular question about this. This is the picture of the United States by region and it's just giving the numbers um, of that billing index per region. Have you seen over time, has there been any significant shift from, um, think about maybe back way in the day, uh, maybe industrial jobs moved south um, yep. from the north and, and stuff like that. Are you seeing any significant shifts, any significant things coming in or out of regions? Well, our billings index is probably not a good measure of broad regional patterns because they're really looking month to month. Um, but yes, uh, clearly there has been, uh, in, in terms of population growth, economic growth, we see uh, much more in the South than in the Northeast or Midwest, for example. And, and Jim, up until recent years, uh, that would also be true for the West, that the South and the West were seeing the strongest growth, uh, the, the Northeast and the Midwest, the weakest growth. Now, the West is sort of divided between Pacific Coast mm -hmm. and, you, you, you know, the mountain, rest. 
yeah, the mountain. Rest of the yep. Yeah. And 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 the Pacific Coast is starting to look a lot more like the Northeast and the Midwest in terms of population growth and economic growth and things like that. Now, it, it doesn't always play out that way month to month, as you can see here. I mean, the strongest numbers here are in the Midwest, a, a region that is um, not growing very rapidly. I, I attribute this to um, one of the very strongest construction sectors in recent years has been uh, the manufacturing sector, sort of the industrial sector. Um, and a lot of that was stimulated by the uh, Chips and Science Act, the, the federal program to stimulate more uh, high-tech growth. Um, the, the Midwest has a reputation of being a bit more heavy on the industrial side of the economy, the manufacturing side of the economy. Um, so if you see a bit of a manufacturing surge like we've seen over the last three or four years, um, an, an increase in manufacturing construction probably makes sense that that's going to show up uh, to a more significant degree in the in the Midwest and other other regions in the country. That makes sense. Um, before moving on, the last thing, basically, this is insight, uh, the AIA asking firms what their biggest business related concerns were. The top one at 33% is increased firm profitability. And then we go down below that to 21% managing rising costs of running a firm, rent, healthcare, insurance, and all that. And then it goes down, uh, then after that, negotiating appropriate project fees. So those second two kind of relate directly to firm profitability. Um, I just thought this was interesting. I would I would echo that these remain a concern at, you know, probably every firm. Um, yeah, and I think you could throw the fourth one in too, uh, which is basically marketing and, and business development. And, and I think you're exactly right, Alex, that they are telling different sides of the same story, which is, you know, our concern, our number one concern now is now revenue growth. Um, you know, with with the economy, the construction industry beginning to slow down a little bit with interest rates being high and, you know, having taken effect on, uh, um, you know, what construction projects make sense or not, um, that I think, you know, firms are confronted with a situation where not a lot of new work coming in, the design contracts we mentioned have been flat, billings have been flat, um, but their cost of business continues to go up. They need to pay their staff more. Their health care costs uh, are, are going up. Their liability insurance costs are going up. So, you know, the big problem is, um, you know, our costs of doing business are high. Um, our, our revenue is relatively flat. How, what do we do to kind of try to bring those closer together? How do we, how do we cope in a world with our costs going up faster than our revenue is. And I think all four of those for, you know, top concerns at firms were variations on that theme, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we've kind of went through history. We've went through the past, through the recent past and, and understood some of the issues. So my biggest question is, Kermit, tell us what the future holds and tell us exactly when the Fed is going to cut their rates. I'm glad you asked me that. Oh, I'm, I'm now, Alex. You've I been waiting to tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, that's a joke question, but I, I kind of want your prog prognostication on on that. What What is your feel for um, a soft landing, how that relates to us, uh, how uh, inquiries you might see, and, and also, you know, 
Do you think the Fed is going to cut rates this spring, this summer, this fall? Um, obviously, we're not holding you to it, but just for everyone to get touch points, yep. you know, from from different perspectives, and yours is one that's important. Yeah. So let, let me start by uh, affirming, you know, the basis of your question, which is that uh, uh, access to credit and financing costs are the number one concern for the construction industry now. And that's ultimately what has slowed down this entire industry. It's a very interest rate sensitive industry. And so rates going up, you know, as long rates did, um, you know, almost doubled short, rate, short term rates and even much more. Uh, that has really slowed um, things down. So um, let me let me give you a little context. Um, um, over the last, so the Fed stopped last the the last interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve Board was July of last year. Um, over the last forty years or so, uh, the time between the last interest rate hike by the head by the Fed. And the first interest rate cut was eight months. So if you do the math, that would say, on average, we should see a cut in March. That's eight months after the last hike. Now, is, is, is you know, obviously, as we talked about, every cycle is different. Um, does, does eight months look to be a good target this time? And I would say probably not. I would agree. And, and, and the reason being that, um, you know, generally the, the, the Fed, because of the, the delays in which higher interest rates impact the economy, overshoot the mark. And by the time they stop raising rates, the economy is headed into a recession. And therefore, they need to try to catch up with that by, by lowering rates. The, the situation now is the, the, the Fed raising rates has slowed inflation pretty dramatically, almost down as low as they wanted to go, almost down to their 2% target. But not really. Uh, you know, we do see spikes in things. We've seen, you know, oil go up and down. We've seen some commodities go up and down. Labor costs because of shortages uh, continue to go up. So I think the Fed would be, um, is pretty clear in saying, we like the direction that inflation is going, but we're not convinced that we're totally done yet. We're going to continue to monitor it closely. So, you know, that, that's a reason to hold off a little bit. Uh, the reason to move ahead is the economy's weak. You know, we're, we're losing jobs. Um, there's other issues. Well, the economy is not weak. You mentioned the 3.3% uh, GDP number that came out this morning for fourth quarter uh, growth. Um, we're still creating uh, new payroll positions um, at accelerated rates. As much as they've slowed down, they're still well above what they would be in normal times. I mean, we're still creating two and a half, three million jobs a year. In a normal good year, two to two and a half million is, is considered a great number. So um, we, we don't have problems in the job market now. Um, we don't apparently have problems in the economy if it grew 3.3% in the fourth quarter. So the reason that we would start lowering rates to stimulate the economy we don't really need to. And, and, and we can focus much more on let's make sure we got inflation right. Um, and, and we don't have to bail out the economy because the economy doesn't doesn't seem to be in trouble. Now, as soon as the job market, the job numbers start going down, as soon as there's signs that there's lower economic growth, um, the Fed is going to have to jump in and lower rates. But I don't think there's any urgency now uh, to do that. And so I think they're going to 
continue to monitor inflation and continue to monitor economic growth. And until they're either convinced inflation is really under control or our actions have really harmed the economy, I think they're probably pretty happy to just sit tight. And do you think that architecture of billings will be suppressed uh, until they make that change? Yes, I, I, I think... You know, architecture billings were very weak in the fourth quarter of last year, kind of as as you suggested. Um, we're seeing some movement inquiries. We're not seeing any movement really in new design contracts. So there's nothing <coughs> that, that, that suggests that billings are going to start picking up again anytime soon. Um, and so I, I you know, I, I think interest rates have stabilized. I think this little tick down in long term rates is what's generating these inquiries that you and I both talked about before that, you know, gee, rates look like they've peaked and they're coming down again. Maybe we can start looking at to dusting off some of these plans and seeing if some of these projects make sense again. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think we're not going to see um, a, a rush to suddenly go back in and, and um, uh, you know, start moving ahead with projects, particularly in the commercial sector. We haven't talked too much about various sectors, but, you know, commercial activity like offices, retail hotels and things like that um, seem to be under a lot of pressure now. And, and there just doesn't seem like, you know, there's any, um, any signs that those sectors are going to, are going to pick up anytime soon. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, I know that maybe wasn't a high note for some people, but a realistic note uh, to mean people need to focus on the efficiency of their firm, uh, broadening their markets and, and all that. Uh, I appreciate this talk immensely. It was great to finally meet you. We talk about the AIA billing reports all the time and mention you um, probably every couple months. So I'm glad you could actually join us in the podcast. Alex, good chatting with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Kermit. Bye-bye now.